The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, about that day and the hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen. The moment before the doors of Walmart opened, in the wee hours of a Black Friday many years ago, journalists were there to capture the mayhem. For weeks they had been hyping the deep discounts on tricycles and TVs and video games and, I don't know, crockpots. After the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, the President of the United States had given an order buy stuff. It was nearly an act of patriotism to huddle outside of the store a few hours after gorging on Thanksgiving turkey and pie. The reports the next day described the ferocious scene. The pictures showed the mass of bodies pressed together against the sliding doors, not so much for warmth, but to get closer to the sails. There were, they were full of crazed Christmas cheer. Fearful store employees trembled on the other side of the glass, hesitant to unleash the floodgates. Shoppers wielded their credit cards like pirates with daggers between their teeth, swinging aboard a doomed ship ripe for the looting. The look in the eyes of those Christmas bargain shoppers was hunger. Motivation, determination, it was longing. Now, I've never witnessed a Black Friday mob in person. My deepest longing for the day after Thanksgiving has most often been for a couch, comfortable clothes, and maybe a James Bond marathon on TV. 
Longing and the Christmas season, which we call Advent, seem to go hand in hand. The longing of this season is not only the longing which fuels the great American pastime of consumerism, though longing for toys is hardwired into our children's experience of the season, forms some of our earliest memories. To Santa, they can confide their heart's deepest longings. Christmas is in large part about the buildup of desire for Christmas morning and what surprises we might find, what longings might be fulfilled. The longing, the wishing, hoping, wondering about Christmas morning is actually part of the fun. But longing for gifts is not the only longing that we might experience in this season. As we grow, longing remains. Many of the classic secular Christmas songs came out of uh, World War II, and they are often about longing. So many families were a part in those years of that war, and the most famous songwriters provided a, song, a soundtrack to the longing of, of those serving overseas during Christmas time. In 1943, Bing Crosby sang, Christmas evil find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. It was written specifically to honor soldiers serving overseas who longed to be home for the holidays. Irving Berlin, who was a Jewish immigrant from Russia, wrote the famous White Christmas, also in the early days of World War II. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. A being from Georgia, I've yet to experience a white Christmas, but I've always dreamed of one, even for a time longed for one. There's no place like home for the holidays, sang Perry Como. When you pine, when you pine for the sunshine of a friendly day, he says. And pining, pining is just a more poetic longing, isn't it? Because no matter how far away you roam, if you want to be happy in a million ways for the holidays, you can't beat home sweet home. And who doesn't want to be happy in a million ways? That longing to be happy, it flavors this whole season. And for many, happiness actually seems further away at Christmas time. In response to that, many churches now provide what's called a blue Christmas service that is one built around heartache and longing for healing and wholeness that's more poignant in the season of light. Home sweet home isn't what everyone longs for in this season either, especially if home wasn't so sweet. Some long for a feeling that they had some Christmas past, a feeling that with the fog of memory has come to feel like Christmas, and there's a longing to feel that specific feeling again. In 1963, as our nation was in the midst of the civil rights movement, the struggle for racial equality, 
while our nation was at war in Vietnam and just a few weeks before President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, singer Andy Williams sang, it's the hap happiest season of all with these holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. I think there was more than a small amount of wishful thinking in Williams' song. In the midst of national grief and warfare and assassination of a president, inequality, that song topped the charts, declaring this the hap happiest season. I think that it is, in a sense, pushing against the terrifyingly stark reality. Now, nostalgia at Christmas, it's not bad. In fact, remembering good times helps us find strength and hope for the hard times. In the song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, it says there are tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Remembering those old glories provide hope of future glories. But what if all of our longing for the romanticized past then, that we applied that same, uh, let, me, let me start again. Uh, what if, if we are longing, what we are longing for is a romanticized past? then not only are we not being fully honest about those days gone by, but we may be standing in the way of needed justice and reform today. Let me say that again. It's possible that our longing for the past is making us miss things, the truth, the full truth of that past, and also, and, and also standing in the way of what is being asked of us in this day a sort of make Christmas great again. Think of all of that longing for mythical glories long, long ago were put to work healing the root causes of war and racism and violence in that day and in our own day. But longing and Christmas go hand in hand. And so we are primed for the gift of Advent, aren't we? Advent is the season of expectant waiting, of longing. And while our longings may lure us to the past, our hope is not fulfilled in pining for long, long ago. In fact, as we sing in O Little Town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all of the years are met in the tonight. And the thee of that night is the same thee of this morning, who is Jesus Christ. Advent takes our longings and redirects them to hope, a longing for the light that is to come, the light of peace, of reconciliation, of grace that Jesus Christ brings into the world. Advent is our future longing. It's a longing that we heard from the prophet Isaiah, when all people will walk God's path and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and learn war no more. We heard the disciples and Matthew voice their deep longing 
for what that future day may be and how they can tell that it's on its way. And Jesus tells them about that day, no one knows. He says, I don't know. Only God knows. Our scripture readings in this season of longing will point our hopes to that unexpected hour. So this Advent, we are going to take a deep dive into these longings. We will use as our guide the song that we sang together at the beginning of this service. And with no offense to Andy Williams, I think that we are better served to not escape our reality into a fantasized past, but to face our present truth informed by an honest grasp on our histories, both personal and scriptural. We are better served admitting that we are longing for light as we wait in darkness. Because when we are honest about our longings, they actually serve us. We saying longing for truth, we turn to you. We turn to God. And so in turning, we are not disappointed by illusions and we are not despairing about present struggles, but we are hopeful. Hopeful that there is now and there will be a light shining through the darkness. Christ shining in his church gathered today. This right here, this present reality, this is our great hope. This is our great joy. It is a great power, a source of great good in the world, a light even, a light for which we are longing. Now, our longings are part of being human. Our longings are part of being faithful. Our longings are trying to teach us about ourselves, to teach us about our hearts and our needs. The ancient mystic Julian of Norwich said, the key to hearing what is at the heart of the human soul is to listen to our deepest longings. For the desire of our soul is the desire of God. Secular Christmas classics that I enjoy myself, while perhaps comforting and providing a way to cope with present struggles, do not provide the true comfort for which we long. Their stories of long ago hold some truth and beauty, but also fabrications and illusions, and they do not hold. So the scriptures bring us from the past and invite us to dream of a future hope. Jesus says we can't know when that future will fully arrive, but he promises it is good and all will be well. So with the past and the past, in the future, cloaked in holy mystery, we are left with what? A source of hope, of life, of being, of meaning that is this present moment. This is the moment in which God has placed us and for which God created us. This is the moment in time in which we have the power to deal with the truth and the power to enact good. 
As much as Advent gives us visions of future light and Christmas drives us back to the very first Christmas long, long ago, all of this is to wake us up to this beautiful and strange time that is now and to teach us how to be present with God's light shining today. The world today is less dark because you are in it. We are best served, I think, by the Apostle Paul's wisdom to the church, wandering and wondering. He told us in Romans, you know what time it is. It is now the moment. It is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. Take hope. He says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is waning, the dawn is near. So, beloved, let us not live too much in the past, but learn from it. And let us not pine too much for a future which we cannot predict or control. But let us do as Paul says, put on the armor of light and live honorably today. Let us pray. Holy God, make us your own, your holy people, light for the world to see. Amen.